Hey y'all, this is Charlie and we are living, loving, laughing and grace and we are still celebrating Resurrection Sunday, right? Really, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating the work that our Savior did for us, the greatness and we're digging into the riches of, of everything that he did for us. Not everything. I shouldn't say everything. We're digging into the riches of what he did for us. There is always so much more, 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 more that we could dig into. Uh, that's why this just keeps going on and on and on and on, right? Because uh, it's just so hard for me not to get distracted and to get into talking about, oh yeah, because Jesus did this and Jesus did this and Jesus did that. He just did so much for us, my friends. This was an incredible exchange that took place at the cross. And that's what we've been talking about. And we dug a little bit uh, last time into the physical suffering through the scourging that Jesus went through and, and how he suffered that. He allowed that to happen to himself so that he could bring us healing and wholeness in our bodies. And if you go back to my podcast from the same time last year, which is going to be whoo, like around number three, four, five, something like that. Uh, I also had a, a, a special then that digged even more into, into, into that aspect of it because t- today... I want to bring out something different. I want to highlight something else that Jesus did for us uh, on the cross. But if you are suffering from any kind of health condition or know someone, you have a loved one that is, I would encourage you share that last podcast with them and then go back and look for that one from last year. Um, the, the title's really clear about it. I should have looked it up for you, but I didn't. Uh, but anyways, you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> Amen. Okay. So where did I leave you off last time? We left off with Pontius Pilate tried to free Jesus. The people weren't having it. He had him scourged. You know, there was the whole thing where he was hoping that the, that he could let him go. But instead, the people asked for Barabbas. And we saw that Barabbas represents us. Right, my friends. And you know what? There's, there's two ideas we have got to keep in our minds when we are reading about everything that happened to Jesus. What the, the Jewish leaders did to him and what the Romans did to him. If you go and watch The Passion, like I encourage you to, if you sit there and watch that movie or listen to these things and you have this thought that's so terrible what they did to him, I can't believe what they did to him, then you're missing it. My friend, it's not what they did to him. It's what we did to him. What each and every one of us did to him. It was our sins that put him on that cross. It was our sins that caused him to go through all of that suffering. So it's not what they did to him. It's what we did. We may not have had the whips in our hands, but we might as well. We may not have driven the nails into his hands and his feet, but it was the same as if we did, my friends, because our sins put him there. And the other idea I want to make sure that you that you don't have is, is, is to remember that Jesus chose to accept all of this so that he could bring us freedom and deliverance and days of heaven on this earth, my friends. Yes, I know he longs for the day that we get to be together face to face just as we do. But the Bible says he is long suffering, long suffering suffering, patient, so that none should perish. My friends, if you wonder why he hasn't come back yet, think of it like this. We want him to come back right now, right? So that the troubles and the things we're going through are over. But Jesus knows that if he waits just one more day, 
that so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so are going to receive him as their savior and spend eternity with him. And then he knows, well, if he waits just one more day from that, then so-and-so is also going to receive him. And if he waits just one more, so you see, my friends, the Bible says it's out of his great love that he is being so patient. And the thing of it is that we don't have to live in fear and worry. This darkness can't overtake us like it has the world. So this is where we're going to pick up today. Pontius Pilate has handed Jesus off to the Roman guards now. So let's go to Matthew 27, 27. It says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. My friends, the, pro- the praetorium was uh, what housed all the Roman soldiers. And they have found it today. I was there. The praetorium housed 600 to 1,000 soldiers. The whole company of soldiers. Did you hear that? The whole company of soldiers gathered around Jesus. 600 to 1,000 trained, armed, battle seasoned Roman soldiers gathered around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. Can you imagine what it felt like to be stripped naked in front of all those men, in front of his very enemies? And you know, they hurled insults at him and mocked him. Why? Why did Jesus allow this to happen? My friend, have you ever felt ashamed? Jesus was taking our shame so that in his place, we receive double honor. We receive the honor that he deserved to receive. And they twisted together this crown out of thorns. My friends, the thorns in this area grow four to six inches thick, long. I'm sorry, four to six inches long. We're not talking about the little things we poke ourselves on picking blackberries or on a rose. No, four to six inches. And they set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again and again and again and again and again. My friends, this word here that they struck him on the head again, and again, it's written in the, in the Greek imperfect tense, which means it continues on and on and on and on and on. 600 to 1,000 soldiers. And this reed, this, uh, this staff was actually a weapon. And they used it every time they hit him to drive those thorns deeper and deeper into his head. 
Have you suffered a head trauma, a stroke, a condition of your head? My friends, see that Jesus took that for you. Do you feel like your brain just doesn't work like it used to or like it should or maybe it never has? My friends, Jesus took that for you. He allowed his head to be beaten, beaten mercilessly so that ours could be put back together again. The Bible even declares in 1 Corinthians 2.15 that we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So there's the physical aspect of this, that they actually physically beat his head with a staff, beat these thorns into his head. But there's also a spiritual application, my friends. Just as we, as we saw in our very first resurrection series special, when we talked about that Jesus' blood has a redeeming quality to it, a redeeming value to it. And the very first time he shed his blood was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he shed great, it said great clots of blood came out with his sweat. It mingled with his sweat and great clots of blood fell to the ground. And we talked about how he redeemed us from stress. Right? Sweat comes from inside out, from the inside of our body out. My friends, stress is what we put on ourselves. And it's a great indicator that we're not trusting the Lord. Whatever area it is that we're stressed in, we're stressed because we don't think the Lord will take care of that for us. So now that we know, we go, oh, okay, Jesus, will you take care of this? And we can let go. My friend, if he saved your soul, he has saved your spirit to eternal life. How much more now, right? He went to hell and back for you. He can take care of whatever problem it is in your life that you're facing. So we saw that the blood there touched the stress, the sweat, which comes from inside of us out. But these thorns are being driven from the outside in. Right? They're being driven from the outside in. So what do these thorns represent? My friends, these thorns represent the demons and the devil and the darkness. They're the thoughts that he puts into our minds when he tries to oppress our mind with his thoughts of darkness and despair and no hope. He tries to make us think we have no value, that God doesn't care for us, that our lives could never get any better, that no, there is no solution to this problem. Just dark, oppressive Thoughts being driven in. And I want to prove where I get that, where I get that from. There's another place. My friends, the Bible will always interpret itself. Always. Jesus himself shared a parable where he talked about thorns. And in fact, he said that this parable, you have to understand if you're going to understand any parable. So it's a very important parable. And it's the one where he's talking about a farmer who goes out to sow seeds and he throws seeds and these seeds fall on four different types of ground. And this is what he tells to the people. And then when he's alone with his disciples and he goes through the different types of grounds, the disciples ask him, what did this, what did this mean? And he explains it to them. 
and there were there were four different types of ground but I, I just want to focus on the one it says now these are the ones and this is in mark uh, chapter 4 verse 18 now these are the ones sown among thorns so these seeds fell among the thorns and Jesus also told him that the seeds that the farmer was throwing was the word so like right now I would be the farmer throwing the word of God right Jesus ultimately right he's the one who who came he is the word of God God gives us the word of God the word itself plants in our hearts right but but anytime that we we're listening to someone else give us the word we can see this way they are throwing out the seeds the word of God and so right now you're getting seeds and your seeds are landing on good ground good hearts amen so he says now these are the ones sown among thorns they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So in other words, it's like someone listening to this message, but then they get so caught up in either stressing or worrying about the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches chasing after thinking about money, money, money all the time or the desire for other things. And because of that, it chokes out the word instead of growing in the word and trusting in the word, it gets choked out. And so there's no fruit, my friends, because did you know that the word of God itself brings fruit? We just, it, God makes it so easy for us. We just listen amen meditate meditate on the word sometimes we need to listen to the same word over and over and over again really grasp what god is telling us put a scripture on a on an index card on a sticky on something where you can see it speak it to yourself again and again and again my friends i highly encourage memorizing the word of god having at least a few scriptures that at any moment you can bring out Bring up and, and, and just speak over yourself. It doesn't even matter if they have nothing to do, if it looks like they have nothing to do with the situation you're facing. The word of God itself brings fruit. Hallelujah. So that's what he was talking about with the thorns. But this is your, this is your ground, right? Amen. I'm going to declare it by faith. Uh, I can't leave you hanging there. It says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So I'll give you an example. We talked about how Jesus was scourged and his body was literally ripped apart by those, those whips, by those Roman soldiers, so that we are healed, so that our bodies are made healthy. And I encourage you to look at that, picture it, imagine what Jesus suffered, and then receive, say, yes, Lord, I receive your healing in my body. When you receive communion to hold the bread in your hand and, and picture what Jesus went through, that his broken body is now get putting life and health in your body. So you can hear that and accept it and believe it. And you will experience the fruit. My friends, that's my own testimony. I began receiving communion that way. And I have been seeing the healing in my body. It started off 30-fold. Let me tell you something. If you're 30% well, how much sickness is still left? Quick math. 
70%. So the majority of you is still not well, but you're 30% better off than you were. Amen. Give praise so many times. I believe we start to get our miracles. We get the 30% harvest. And instead of giving God the thanks and praise for it, we get disappointed that it wasn't as much as we wanted. And we walk away from the 30. But the 30 was more than we had before. Oh, my friends, just give him the thanks and praise for the 30. That little bit of an answered prayer. And then the 60 comes. And we give God the thanks and the praise for the 60 and then the 100 comes. Hallelujah. And that's what I'm prophesying over you that you are hearing this word. You are accepting it. You are believing it. And your harvests are coming 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. So these thorns, he said, He gave us three different things that these thorns represent. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Now, I'm going to tell you that there's another place in the Bible where we see these three things together. So we got here because of the thorns, right? Now we're going to see another place where we see these three things. Do any of you remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan? How did Satan tempt him? Did Satan physically assault Jesus or did he try planting thoughts in his mind he tried to plant thoughts in his mind in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 it says then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward he was hungry now when the tempter came to him he said if you are the son of God Command that these stones become bread. See, my friends, see how the devil tempted him? He didn't force bread into his mouth. He planted thoughts by what he was. He spoke to him and planted thoughts. That's those thorns going in. See, the the devil, the wiles, the Bible tells us that we need the armor of God to withstand the wiles of the devil. My friends, he cannot physically assault you. He comes to us. Our battle is in our minds. Listen to this. And that's why we're, we're really digging into this today. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Right? So you have a, a, a natural, he's talking about your natural body, your flesh that you can see, touch, feel. He's saying that we walk in the flesh, you have a body, but we don't war according to what we see in the natural. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Listen, he's going to tell us what the strongholds are. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. My friends, he just told us what is spiritual warfare? Where does spiritual warfare start? My friends, it's in our minds. The battle is for your mind. The devil wants your mind. He wants the mind of your children. He wants the mind of your loved ones. This is spiritual warfare. What you're doing right now, listening to the word of God, listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ is warfare. 
because you are filling your mind up with the obedience of Christ. Notice it didn't say our obedience. Sometimes people take this out of context and think that it means that we have to try to make every one of our thoughts obedient. No, it says every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, meaning his obedience. It's his obedience that saves us. So we bring strongholds down. Where does all these things take place? Where do, you, where do arguments start, my friend? They start in our mind. Have you ever sat there? thinking over and over and over again what you should have said to some so-and-so to put them in their place. Oh, I'm going to say this the next time I see them. I'm going to say that. My friends, thorns, thorns, thorns that rob us of our peace, that choke out the word of God. We can get so distracted thinking on those things, right? When the Lord wants us to fill our mind thinking of the heavenly So he says that our weapons are not carnal, but mighty in God. Say mighty in God. Mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. My friends, you know how the devil gets a stronghold in our mind? Usually it's through a lie. He gets us to believe a lie about God. I almost died believing a lie about God. When I was so sick, and, and I've shared it so many times. I'll just say when I was, had been injured and my body was shutting down and I was so sick. Yeah, part of me would pray to God. But the other part of me felt like I deserved this for all of the wrong things that I had done in my life. And I would sit there judging myself and condemning myself. And on the other hand, I've shared before that I grew up in a very violent environment to the point where it was a, a normal thing for people to die in their 20s, in their early 20s. They would, they would either be dead or in prison. And so at the age of 28, I thought I had lived a long, good life. A lie, my friend. A lie. And I, I didn't think that I deserved for God to heal me. I didn't, my friend, but that was all self-righteousness because I'm a believer. I never deserve anything from God, but Jesus has paid for it, right? As we're talking, of course, I obviously didn't know all these things back then, and this is why I'm so passionate about sharing these things because I know the cost of believing a lie. As long as I believed that, I continued to get worse. And then I had some Christian friends tell me that maybe all these things had come into my life because of some sin I had committed. And I can tell you six weeks from that point, I was on chemotherapy because I laid in my bed judging and condemning myself and it nearly killed me. So what happened? The truth. The truth, my friends, the truth of God is mighty and powerful. God showed me that he loved me absolutely, completely, and unconditionally. He showed me that all those sins had already been paid for in the body of his son and that it was time for me to stop beating myself because his son had already been beaten for me. He showed me that the love I was trying to earn from him by loving him with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength and all my might, which by the way, friends, is impossible. And if we could do it, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. 
While I was trying to do that, all along he was loving me with all his might and all his strength, all his soul. That's why Jesus gave himself up. He loved God completely, entirely, and totally like we can't, my friends. And now we love because he first loved us. And those truths began pulling down those strongholds. Then I learned that God wants me to live to at least 120. At least, my friends. All of a sudden, 28 didn't seem so old anymore. Hallelujah. The battle takes place in our minds. And you know what, my friends? We are going to have to just stop right there. You know how I am. Uh, woo, we're just been having such a great time, but we're going to have to get back into this next time. So I'm going to have to let you go. And until then, keep on living, loving, laughing and grace. And oh my goodness, I can't let you go without praying a blessing over you, right? <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and grant you his peace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, my friends, now keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.